Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? What is up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode six of Busy Playing Something. I'm your host, Vince Condello, joined by Mr. Prophet himself, Joshua LaRosa. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. <laughs> That's true. And uh, you can find us on Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and not Apple Podcasts. And our socials are Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Busy Playing Something. So, Josh, how you been? How's isolation treating you? I'm over it. Mr. COVID, let me just say this, Mr. COVID Condello, I have well and truly had enough of being indoors. I'm feeling flat. I'm feeling, you know, I've just had enough. I need to go out. I have been outside, but I'm walking the same streets. I'm drinking the same coffee. I'm seeing the same cat at the front. I've had enough. And you got that unnecessary pudge. Oh, don't even get me going on the pudge. Pudge, it's pudge central in this house, let me tell you. But what about you? Uh, I'm the same. I mean, at least I'm... Uh, what is it called? Lucky enough to have a basketball hoop in my backyard, or I've been going absolutely insane because yeah. I have been striving to play some kind of sport. Lucky basketball is just right there for me, but I am missing that competitive edge for things. And mm. so I've been taking, you know, my frustrations out on playing League of Legends because that way I can either play a five-on-five game where I lose or I win, and it's just there's a reward at the end. It's just a good time. So League of Legends has been my outlet for this entire thing. Have you been playing anything uh, differently over the last week since we, we spoke last on the show? I started playing the League of Legends card game, Legends of Runeterra. Jesus, yeah. you're such a dork. Oh, such yeah. a dork. How did but, you feel from last week's episode? Of, you know, that was a, a Vinny Central episode, I think I called it, but you're happy with your choices? You know, is there anything you regret? You happy with your five? I think the honorable mention I would have had on there was probably, you know, Maybe Digimon World, PS1, but I didn't already didn't say you that. Did say that? Did I? I feel I like we've forgot. spoken about Digimon World a couple of times, so I'm just assuming you did mention that last week. I saw a fan remake that was done on Unreal Engine 4 today <sighs> that looked really cool, so let's talk about that. But Top of mind. That's it. But Josh, let's talk about what's, what's in the Twitter sphere this week. What has popped up? What news? Got anything new exciting to tell us? In my life, do you want to know what I've been playing? Or you don't yeah, really yeah, yeah, no. In the Twitter sphere that is Josh, your own universe. Oh, you're in your own center yeah. of your own universe. Yeah, well, you're not the first person to, to say that. Um, I've dropped Final Fantasy VII, so we can stop talking about that for a little bit. Uh, and, you know, going through my top five favorite games of all time, I thought I'd dedicate some time and go back and play some of these games I haven't played in a while just to confirm that these are still my favorite games of all time. So I won't talk about too much because they will pop up, but I've actually gone back and started Spider-Man. I just had the urge to go back and and start Insomniac Spider-Man again. Obviously that game's been out for two years now. Um, And I don't know, I just got the urge. I just got the urge. It's, It's kind of not refreshing to not have new games come out, but it's nice to go back. I feel like we live in a world where, these games come out, these huge games, God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon, fantastic. You know, everything stops. We're playing these games and then we put them aside and we don't really play them again, really. There's only, you know, personally for me, there's probably only about five or six games I, I generally go back to. So 
yeah, Spider-Man was just one that I've platinumed, 100% had done everything for, but I just kind of got the urge to go back. And I've played some other stuff, but we'll talk about that a bit later when we get into my top five and, and honourable mentions. But yeah, Spider-Man. That's, <laughs> That's it. About it. It's funny you mentioned you know, a PS4 game because it's so different. You said, yeah, everything's coming out recently. And I think there's only a handful of games in you know, that have come out in the last five years that I've had seen replay value in. And I think yeah. uh, one of them, just name, I've played, much as I resented it, I need to play Kingdom Hearts 3 on Critical just because that's for my own personal benefit. Uh, and I was then I played. just watching a video on Kingdom Hearts 3 before. So and that. it was just the one line. I think it was that, you know, is it Dunky? Is that his name? Video oh, yeah, Dunky. Dunky. And it was just the clip of, of Goofy saying, you know, it was just a digital version of himself trying to work out if it's compatible with you or something. And I'm like, <laughs> what is this? This is just trash. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a good time. It cleared up. It made more plot holes than it cleared up. It's just, just a, a Goofy, cluster. what the hell are you doing? Just a cluster of misinformation is that game but one of the games i came back and played a lot was the last of us actually that's probably the game we've come out of the last i guess we'll say seven years now that i've seen replay value in other than yep. you know your marios your stuff your platformers the one mm-hmm. that had an actual story that i went back and played i thought was actually really good and no better time to play a game about a pandemic and virus than when living in a world where we're living through a pandemic <laughs> so Good timing there, Vinny. Exactly. And it's funny that we mentioned it because last week we spoke about The Last of Us 2 and how it got leaked. And essentially we thought it was about a disgruntled employee, mm-hmm. which uh, we have information from Forbes magazine written by Paul Tassi that says that it actually wasn't leaked from a disgruntled employee about a pay dispute. It was actually leaked through hackers and it was done right. via Naughty Dog server doing uh playing their old games which was uncharted 3 and the original last of us funnily enough yeah so they found an exploit on those older games and and from what we know the ps3 was a lot more hackable than the ps4 was right so it makes sense that if they were going to to crack the servers on you know any of naughty dogs games it was going to be their older ones on on ps3 Uh, you know there's plenty of new stories about the ps3 being hacked and there was a famous hacking from 2011 which is quite funny how it's timed right about now i'm getting all my um facebook you know on this day from 2011 i was such a a posting i was posting daily like sony have now you know confirmed that they got hacked and well this is what's happening and PSN servers are still down and wow 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 but uh talking about last of us too i think it's interesting right as much as this is terrible it it is kind of heartwarming to hear that it wasn't a disgruntled employee that this wasn't you know someone having an issue with naughty dog and sony over a pay dispute and taking it out on the team it was just some douchebag hackers um taking advantage of of you know exploits in these servers right and and for all the games to be hacked and leaked last of us 2 is one of the worst you know ones i can think of it's such a story driven game and it's been built up hype wise and and everything else because of the story. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, you're hundred percent right. It's the fact that it's such a story driven game where it's not even the gameplay, you know, the exciting, it's not going to be like a hidden boss or anything. It's purely the story that people want to play yeah. through. We assume the gameplay is going to be relatively the same with maybe the addition of one or two new mechanics. Like mm-hmm. no one really cares about the, I guess some people do, 
care about the online if there was an online. But the whole idea of nobody game, goes back and talks about the the gameplay of Last of Us, right? Exactly. It's the story. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, for for them to just leak it everywhere, and for people, uh, Neil Druckmann himself saying, you know, don't read comments um, on articles that are getting posted because they know that people there are people out there who will spoil it for you. A hundred percent. He released a video this week saying the game's gone gold and it's ready to be pressed. And in the video, I think he mentioned don't read the comments of this video because, you know, certainly someone's gone in and again, douchebags are are posting spoilers for the game. So it's just, it's so heartbreaking to hear, especially being this close to launch. Like we're a month away pretty much at this point and, you know, years of hard work to be, leaked but again in saying that as much as you know i could read i I haven't come across these spoilers and i've been avoiding everything to do with last of us up to this point but i feel like if something was to be leaked to me like they came out and said you know joel's a half frog or whatever i feel like it's the journey up to that point that's really going to be what sticks with me it's not going to be the fact that he's half a frog you know what i mean yeah (laughs) i think that's the whiskey speaking he's he's an amphibian half amphibian yeah he's got flippers yeah, I'm just, I don't know why, but I'm picturing, you said, I'm picturing Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park saying that life finds a way and him talking about frogs. That's what I'm picturing right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, again, I would hate for it to be spoiled, but I think it's the journey that matters. And to the mass audience as well, I don't think this really matters, right? Last of Us sold 10 plus million units and those 10 plus million people aren't hardcore gamers i would dare say all of them right there's going to be a portion of people that buy that game just purely based on the box art or they've heard of naughty dog because they like uncharted or crash bandicoot or whatever it may be so i guess to the mass audience this leak isn't really going to have too much of an effect um to the hardcore yes you know people like me and you who are on the internet every day watching videos reading news stories listening to podcasts it's those people that are going to be affected by this leak yeah but it's, it's cool because they have, at least now, it's been announced. It's done. It, like I said, it's going gold. It's getting printed. It's coming out very soon, which is yeah. fantastic. But another cool announcement, Josh, the Summer Game Fest. Our now, biggest fan. <laughs> that's it. I think I said it, it was kind of like, it's Christmas in July, but it's Christmas from May to August. So yeah. it's just a, what we say, it's a weekly update full of, you know, um full of like a plethora of developers all contributing yeah so jeff jeff keatley's basically come out and said look e3 is not happening you know i've stepped away from e3 i announced that before they got cancelled however i'm here to, to serve the people so he's announced what he's calling summer games fest which like he said is running from april through to august may and it's may basically through uh, may through to august sorry and it's basically this summer games fest website um hosting these events running through those periods. So it's not a one, you know, one week in June, like E3 is, it's actually over these extended periods of month, uh, extended period of time. And Summer Games Fest is hosting, you know, we're talking about Blizzard, Bungie, CD Product Red, Sony, Microsoft, they're all there, except Nintendo. I think they're the only ones saying, you know what, we're fine, thanks, but I'm sure they'll come around. So I think this is great. And this, like, like you called me the prophet, I did predict, this would be a great idea for something for E3 to become where they just host these events. So we'll see what comes out of it. I think it's still early days. Yeah. It's uh, no longer gaming Christmas. It's more of like gaming Hanukkah where it's multiple days of 
things where it's eight whole days instead of being, you know, a plethora of more weeks. I always keep saying plethora. I don't know why. I like the word. It, it, rolls, the off, it rolls off the tongue very well. It's but, like yeah. me and obviously. Yeah, I said obviously it. way too much. Way too much. Obviously. You but do, I think yes. it's interesting. I think this is, it, it's coming clearly because of what's going on in the world with E3 being cancelled. But will this be the final nail in the coffin for E3? You know, if this is successful and Jeff Keighley can host this event next year, is this going to go, is this a once-off thing? This is basically what I'm trying to say. Is this a once-off thing that he's filling the void because E3 is not here and we're all stuck at home and, you know, we, we, that void is empty for something to come in? Or is this something he's planning to do next year when E3 does come back around? And if it is, it's really in direct competition with E3, but... What do you think? Do you think he'll host, if it's successful, do you think he'll host this next year or is this just a once-off? I think if it's successful, he won't host E3. He will push for this because it just makes a lot more sense because you give dedicated time slots for people. It's, um, it's a complete showcase and then followed by the idea of having free digital demos available. So after the conference is essentially done, you can be like, okay, cool. And this game demo is available right now. So the people yeah. watching it can instantly go and download it if they have the you know, required console to download it on. Or, you know, trailers, they could, it could be like bam, right on Twitch and someone could actually start streaming it. Yeah. And that's the thing. E3 is the biggest double-edged sword. You talk about all eyes of the industry are focused on this week. So you get the biggest pop announcing during E3, right? We all know that. But in saying that, you're easily overshadowed, you know, for example, you know, Namco, uh, Bandai Namco, they announce a game. Woo. <laughs> Two hours later, Sony go, oh, here's Spider-Man 2. And then all of a sudden that game means nothing. So as much as all eyes are on E3, we quickly forget it's all about what's next, what's next, what's next. So having this over time of months gives enough room for these developers to host their own events and still get that pop because they're getting the backing of Jeff Keighley and this Summer Games Fest but they're not being bombarded and, and taken over by other announcements. So I think this is a great idea. Honestly, I think it's perfect timing on his behalf. Yeah. It's the whole idea of um, just say you have, it's always the last thing you hear that you're most excited about. At least this way that you have a week or, you know, potentially three or four days of between for people to get hyped around the single announcement before a new announcement has been made or, you know, yeah. a new viewing of something else. So it's really cool they're doing it like this, giving people a chance to breathe and giving people a chance to even have production value and no less technical difficulties because people are always changing, going on and off stage. People will be hosting it from their own you know, little media station, I guess. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. But that kind of leads to the last story that I'm, you know, this is something that's, before we actually get into it, it's around Microsoft and, and their plans for, speaking to the fans about Xbox and the Series X. So in short, Microsoft have announced that inside Xbox, which is obviously something, well, there's obviously, there's that word again, is a showcase that they've been running quite often. But what they're planning to do is introduce something called Xbox 2020. So each month they will come and, and have a showcase, showcasing what's coming from their first party team, what's coming for the Xbox game, uh, Series X, updates on Game Pass, updates on Project X Cloud, et cetera. So their main focused event will be on third parties. They, they you know, specifically mentioned uh, Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So their first inside Xbox for this Xbox 2020 showcase will be focused on third party relationships. 
you dare say CD Projekt Red will be there with Cyberpunk. There may be some independent developers, but that first May showcase will be focused on third-party relationships. So I think that's fantastic because what they can do is because Sony hasn't announced anything, they can start buddying up with these third-party games. Because like we know, Assassin's Creed is going to be coming on both PS5 and Series X. However, if you've got that marketing campaign heavily focused with Microsoft and their logo and banner comes at the start of the trailer, people just seemingly think that that game's only on Xbox. You look back at what Bungie did with Destiny and that's such a PlayStation game, even though that is on Xbox. Call of Duty did the same thing. Last generation, they were very Microsoft with the Xbox 360 and then they switched over to Sony. So again, I think this is Microsoft jumping ahead of Sony now and saying, well, we're going to partner up and and showcase what these third-party developers are doing with these new consoles. And we're the only ones that they're going to be talking about at the moment. So what's, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I a hundred percent like this idea. Once again, it's an idea for people to showcase individual prowess and have more of a extended hype or extended demo of everything. You know, if you got something, something that's been announced, just say it mm-hmm. couldn't be announced at the start where it wasn't developed properly by the time, you know, 2020 comes to an end, they'll probably have something in development and it's, it's stuff that doesn't need to be rushed for these E3 press conferences, these, you know, TGSs. It can just be, you can release it when it's ready. It makes yeah. things seem less rushed, seem yeah. to be more polished. And, you know, if it's, okay, look, if it's not here by this deadline, push it forward one week, push it back one week. Yeah. It's fine. They got, they got time. They got... Each month, right? So it's not... Yeah. Yeah. I'm... At first glance, this is fantastic, okay? Uh, you know, you've got the May update being focused on third parties, then they talk about their July update will be focused on what first-party studios are doing. In concept, this is fantastic and, and gets you talking about Microsoft and Xbox every month. Is this going to be a state-of-play Nintendo Direct-style thing? Is it going to be more, you know, focused with you know, interviews with developers or, you know, key contacts at Microsoft speaking as opposed to just a disembodied voice talking over some gameplay. We don't know. You know, looking back at Inside Xbox previously, they have been quite cringy type <laughs> videos in, in some extent. But with E3 gone, maybe this is kind of where they would push all of the content that they already had planned for E3. And again, being part of the conversation each and every month from now to launch is a fantastic idea. The only issue that they kind of run into is timing-wise, right? So if they start this now, they've got a big push on third-party developers and then July um, will be focused on first-party. So you assume June will be more hardware-based where they might talk about Game Pass, Project X Cloud, the price of the console. We still don't know that. So again, this is really positive stuff and leads me to ask, what what is Sony doing? Like I've been pretty open and honest in saying that I'm more of a PlayStation guy and have been my entire life. And this leads to the question, what what are they doing? They're, they're conceding ground to Microsoft. The only thing I can think of is they have a big blowout in, in June. They hold off for Microsoft to announce price and everything out, and then they just come in and just snowball. But they need to wait for Last of Us and Ghost to come out. That's the only thing I can think of. They've clearly must have, they've got assets ready. These consoles are going into production in mid-June. So just like the controller, they were worried about that leaking. So they showcased it on the PlayStation blog. The console will be leaked if they hold off any time longer beyond June. So 
what do you think their plan is? What's Sony, if, if you were running, if you were Mr. Sony right now, what, what's your strategy? You're seeing Microsoft do all this stuff. What, what, what's your plan? I mean, it's, it's not going to be, they're not going to be doing the exact same thing. They're cool. They go, okay, Xbox or Microsoft has the month by month, month, case by case. What we need to do is create a big splash in the water that hopefully ripples out for the long haul. So I, I agree. Yeah. All this Sony news is going to come hard hitting in one swoop and be kind of a uh, very big announcement. It's hopefully they hope it's going to generate a lot of hype, you know, stuff like revealing the actual console, what it looks like uh, a couple of demos of, you know, first parties, potentially, you know, new IP price and the specs of the console would actually be really handy to see in the power scale, which, which one is going to be more powerful. I think in, in, at the end of the day, Microsoft's Xbox, I feel will be more powerful in terms of flops and things like that. But is that the most important thing? Well, not necessarily, you know, the, the current Xbox one X is the most powerful console on the market compared to PS4 pro. And that hasn't done anything to turn the tides. Really. It's been the conversation with their services and first party acquisitions that slowly started to tip the scale. Uh, so I don't think power is the most important thing, but I think at launch it is because if you remember with Xbox One at launch, the big news story every week was you know Assassin's Creed Black Flag runs at 900p on Xbox One and 1080p on on PS4. So at launch, I think it's pretty important. The only thing I can think of Sony maybe doing is like you said, instead of drip feeding every month, they just have a big splash in June and they just blow the load and reveal everything, which. Is that the right thing? Yes and no. It's probably a bit more traditional uh, Sony, right? They're, they're kind of just doing an E3. They're like, well, we can't have an E3 press conference, but we're just going to release our E3 press conference digitally. We're not going to change strategy and, and you know adjust to the market. We're just going to do what we were planning to do, but just digitally. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about that. My, Sony's had such a change in staff you look over the last six months, you know, Sean Layden moving, Jim Ryan really taking more of the work. You've got Herman Hulse, who I think is fantastic, running first party, Worldwide Studios and Shuhei taking a step back. But there's obviously some turmoil and changes in, in staffing and strategy at Sony. So I hope we're not moving back to a, you know, very cocky, confident PS3 Sony and they don't forget what made them so successful with PS4 and being there for the gamers. And Microsoft know that and they're just hounding them every step of the way. But I don't think Sony's out yet. I feel like they need to just get Ghost of Tsushima out. They need to get Last of Us out and then it's PlayStation 5. Yeah, 100% agree with you. And I guess that's pretty much, we'll leave it at that. I guess that's pretty much all the news we're covering. And now let's get to the real the real reason people tuned in, <laughs> the real, the real uh, questions that people want to ask. Now, Josh, last week was my top five games and I gave you a list that you were okay with, I guess, in your own words. Now, let's see how you stand up against what is your top five games of all time? Let's Ooh. go. Let's start right, with I'm number gonna go five. Through some, I'm going to start with some honorable mentions. Ooh, okay. okay. Controversial. Right. Yeah. Now, I've created some rules in my own head. <laughs> I'm sticking to do you want to... one game per series? Okay, so I'm not going to come in and be like Kingdom Hearts one, two, three, three quarters, three. And 0.28. Yeah, okay, so some honorable mentions Batman Arkham Asylum. 
you know, it's debatable if City or Asylum was the better game. Asylum was the one that obviously started it all. I did prefer the Metroidvania-style focused game. You know, you've got your hub world and you move in between that where City really expanded out. City is obviously a better game in terms of combat. The combat's way better in City. The stealth's way better in Arkham City. However, I just think Asylum held a special place and really came out of nowhere. When that game was announced, no one was expecting anything out of Rocksteady. They hadn't made anything big before and this was their first foray into AAA games and clearly been quite successful. So first honourable mention goes to Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. The second one is a game we've spoken about. We had this in our Busy Playing Something segment and that's the original Castlevania for the NES. I think we've spoken about that Batum. That was my number five, but it did bump off to, to honourable mentions. <clears throat> yeah. Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Wow, a Nintendo in. game. I know, I know. Animal, no, not Animal Crossing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that game completely took me off guard. I, I, that was my first Zelda game. It's kind of been, you know, they talk about game series that are missed, right? Like, I, I think I'm pretty in tune with what's hip and what people are playing. And, you know, I'm not going to play League of Legends, but games like Zelda and Metroid or... Final Fantasy, for example, are, are big pillar games. But for some reason, Zelda was one I missed in the past. And Breath of the Wild just really took me by surprise by how open it was. And it was really a game where you truly created your own story. You kind of put yourself in Link's role and just do whatever. So that game, yeah, holds a special place for me. Uh, This one, again, these are my favourite games. These aren't some of the best games ever. But Sly Cooper 2 is... Oh, yeah. Very good. Good choice. There's a rivalry between Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter and Sly Cooper. Ratchet and Clank clearly came out on top. But personally, I think Sly Cooper, then Jack, then Ratchet. But it really does depend because I think there's some Ratchet games that are better than all of them. But Sly Cooper, for some reason, was just the one... That stuck with me. Uh, the second one in particular, which is where you you could play as Bentley and the other guy, the hippo, Murray. Oh, Murray, yes. Murray, yeah. Where the first game you we were just playing as Sly and, and two really opened up. So two holds a, a special place in my heart. couple more. Assassin's Creed yeah. 2. Ezio Torre was one of my... Um, you know, he's Italian, so of course yeah. I liked him more. Yeah, but in Venice. That game, yeah. Requiesta de Pace. But the, <laughs> you know, the first Assassin's Creed game clearly set the world ablaze and created a franchise that's still clearly huge today. But number two was the one that really set it into motion. I think Ezio's story was probably the best out of the, you know, even to this day, I think franchise wise, Ezio was the best assassin ending in, you know, they had, and then they, he was that successful that he had comics, he's had animated movies, Brotherhood came out and then Revelations. Revelations. And, you know, one of the biggest important scenes is where Ezio then talks to Desmond in the future. And it's like, you know, spoilers if you haven't played Assassin's Creed 2. But <laughs> at this point, come on. Where Ezio then speaks to Dem- Desmond and has that kind of, you know, fourth wall breaking scene. That was, that was awesome at the time. So Assassin's Creed 2 holds a special place there. Three more. <laughs> <laughs> the original Darksiders. So yes, that game... Yes, Darksiders fan. Yes, we, we are aware. Yeah, that, that game took the best parts of old school Zelda and God of War and, and put it into a PS3 game that really felt like a really, really, really good PS2 game. It came out January 2010 and I've probably played Darksiders about 
honestly, and this is not an over an exaggeration, probably about 15 times. I own wow. it on PS3, PS4, Switch. I own it on everything. Like I've got the game four or five different times. I've got even got a statue of war in the background. So the first Darksiders is, is one of my favorites. And the last two is I'll go quickly. Kingdom Hearts 2, clearly the best Kingdom Hearts game. There's not much to say there. And then Spider-Man, which I'm going back and playing at the moment. All right. So, so, now, so now, guys, for everyone, now we're starting his top five games. Now we're talking about my top five. Do you have any predictions, any guesses? I mean, I'm guessing an Uncharted game, potentially Last of Us. I'm thinking a Spyro or a Crash. I'm thinking a lot of Naughty Dog, actually, that comes to, comes to my mind. Clearly, but, you think I'm some sort of Sony fanboy. Yeah. Okay, we'll start with number five, a Naughty Dog game. Yeah. <laughs> Uncharted 3. Three, interesting, controversial, some might say. Close call between three and four. So, reasoning. Uncharted 1, clearly fantastic, but started, you know, was still in its infancy and evolved heavily in two and beyond, okay? The reason I picked three in particular was two, I felt story-wise was verbatim Uncharted 1. Mm-hmm. Nathan Drake gets betrayed, supernatural twist, annoying boss fight at the end. There's the end of the game. Uncharted 3 kind of changed things up where there wasn't, re- there was no supernatural twist. You know, those enemies you were fighting at the end were hallucinations. They weren't actual monsters caused by a, you know, blue goo or whatever. <laughs> so I think story-wise it did a lot to change the formula from Uncharted 1 and 2. It really delved into the relationship between Nathan Drake and Sully you know, you had those scenes where you play as young Nathan Drake, the desert, the kind of plane crash scene where you're falling off and, and that part was fantastic. The, the boat, the ship flipping upside down, that whole segment, again, fantastic. So Uncharted 3, for me, was just the one... I, I love 1 and 2. And again, I've platinumed all of them on PS3 and PS4. Love the Uncharted. I've got maybe three or four Nathan Drake statues, big fan, but 3 was just the one that I thought at the time, this is fantastic. This is awesome. It's, you know, twisting the gameplay mechanics slightly. It's adjusting things and introduced stealth. That wasn't really great, but whatever. But it just, <laughs> yeah, it did a lot to, to change expectations of what you thought an Uncharted game was. And I think 4 does the same thing. It, it, 4 was really a ramp up and was a payoff for fans who haven't played Uncharted, before, uh, who have been playing Uncharted. I feel like if you played 4 without playing the other 3, and let's not forget uh, Golden Abyss on the Vita, but if you haven't played the other Uncharted games, four wasn't going to be the biggest payoff there was. But three is my number five. Okay. I like it. Now, number four. Number four. Let's go. Naughty Dog game. <laughs> Last of Us. Last of Us. Yeah. Yes. That, that game was uh, clearly something special. I'm not, the only, I'm not going to be the only person out there that's got Last of Us in their top five favorite games of all time. So not much more to say than that game being fantastic and still holds up today that's the game i used to show people that didn't play games that's why it's important to me people that didn't play games i showed them that that opening scene with joel and his daughter and that's it you know that's when they go wow this is what games can do so last of us yeah holds a very special place in in a lot of games i was gonna ask you know why was it so important to you i think the idea that you showed other people as a way to be like cool this is a game is not just FIFA. It's not just Call of Duty. It's a game that actually has really good voice acting, really good story, 
yeah. maturity. It's an R18 rated game. It's stuff like that. I mean, for us, you know, what is it in America? Something, PG. some other rating. <laughs> PG. Yeah. And, and I was going to say a game that actually, you know, had scripts for movies as well. That one and Uncharted and Sly yeah. Cooper. Yeah. So Last of Us is just, it's just something that's, it's special and holds a place in a lot of people's hearts and really took Naughty Dog to the next level. Uncharted was always fantastic, but Last of Us was when they took it to the next level. And I don't think there's many other developers out there that have been able to come close to what Naughty Dog uh, have done. But moving on to my number three, I just realised there's a lot of PlayStation exclusives on this list. Uh, God of War PS4. Okay. Uh, I've always enjoyed... The latest one. I've always been a God Ooh. of War fan. I've played all of them. Again, platinumed, I think, all of them but three because I got stuck at something. But what they did, what Santa Monica did to God of War is what Microsoft are now trying to do with Halo. God of War was a series that was popular. Uh, clearly, both sales and story-wise and everything, like people love God of War, but it got to the point where the character of Kratos needed to evolve. So you talk about the original God of War, it's been, well, God of War 2 came out when the PS3 launched in 2006, right? So God of War, the first God of War is going to be what, 2004, 2005. So yeah, it's been a long, long time coming. And the developers of that game have grown and evolved to the, got to the point now where they're making God of War. All right, let me, let me dial it back. So the character of Kratos was angry guy who gets betrayed by his dad and I'm going to go kill the world, right? It can kind of be related to young people feeling like, oh, I'm hip and cool and, you know... Oh, the, rep- the teenage angst. Teenage angst. That's, that's the word I'm looking for. Now these guys making this game are parents and, and family men and family women and they're older and mature and now it's not as much as let's... You know, I may be angry at the world, but now I've got a child I need to look after or I've got responsibility. So what they did with that game and Kratos in particular, they completely flipped the script. However, it still felt like God of War. And in terms of a game from beginning to end, including all the side missions, everything was important. It was not one bit. That, that's the only game where I don't think I've, I played a side mission or did something that was off the beaten track and gone... Okay, this is a bit of padding here. It was just from start to finish, everything I did in that game was just perfect. Again, platinum, platinum, God of War and PS4. So that's that's again, that's that's my number three. The last two are not Sony first-party games. So okay, <laughs> Crash Bandicoot two and <laughs> and Jack and Daxter. Now, my number two, this is why it took me so long to write this list because I feel like this game is still very, very fresh in my mind. So I don't know. You know when you just finish a game and you're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then six months down the track, you reflect on it and go, okay, maybe it's not in my top five games. Of Wait, time. it's not Final Fantasy VII, is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. The Final remake? Final Fantasy VII remake. Wow. So, of all time. Yeah. So why... Oh, that is... I'm not going to say anything. And it can change because Nomura can ruin it. But the reason why I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is one of my favourite games of all time, and it makes sense when you hear my number one, but 
Maybe I'll, I'll tell you what my number one is, and then I could probably explain why. No, 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 no. I want to. I want to know the surprise with number one. You, if you say, just give me one reason as to why this is your third. Yes. My uh, my second favorite. Oh, sorry. This is your second favorite game. Really, it beat Last of Us and Uncharted. I am just. I am gobsmacked for. I don't know if it's because I wasn't expecting it. Maybe that's why. Uh, by the time I got to Uncharted 3, I knew what I was getting. By the time I played Last of Us, I knew who Naughty Dog was and I knew what I was getting per se. But I think, let me, let me tell you my number one and then you, it probably makes sense why uh, Final Fantasy. So I'll talk, talk to these in beta. Okay, yeah. So you want to have a guess at what my, my favourite game of all time is? I'm, say, I'm going back and playing it now. I want to say Metal Gear Solid 3. Wow, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. So I talk about Metal Gear, a series Order. that I only started playing in 2015 when they launched the trailer for Phantom Pain. A series that I've loved from afar but never played. A series that I've had friends and family rave about for years. The trailer drops for Phantom Pain or it might have been Ground Zeroes at the time and I've gone back played all the King, uh, Kingdom Hearts, all the Metal Gear <laughs> games and fell in love with the series, like obsessed, watching two, three, four, five hour videos explaining what the heck is going on in these stories. And three, for some reason, was the one that really gripped me. I don't know if it was the time time frame that it set in. It's the origin story, a big boss. And I, I'm, I've gone back and playing the HD collection on the PS3 now just to reconfirm that it is my, my, still my favourite game of all time. The gameplay does, in some ways, not hold up at all. Like, it does take a lot of time to adapt to that game. You know, just shooting in a third-person game has evolved so much. Now, you know, you hold L2, pick up the gun, R2 to shoot. This game, it's, I think it's L1 to bring in first-person view. Then you hold square to bring up your gun, and then you let go of square to shoot. So in a boss fight, when you're scrambling, it, <laughs> it's... It's very old school and it's very tank kind of style gameplay, but the opening of that game alone holds up to a game that could be released today. If that game was remade with maybe tweaks of the gameplay and updated graphics, the game would just be as important today as it was when it originally came out on the PS2. The intro, you know, the, the Snake Eater song that's very famous uh, still holds up. The, the, the rivalry between... I guess Snake at the time, Naked Snake versus his boss, Big Boss. Uh, sorry, his boss, Boss. <laughs> <laughs> Big Boss is then Naked Snake. But anyway, it's a, it's a whole different story. But that story of Metal Gear Solid 3, you could probably play that game and not have played 1 and 2 because it's so far All removed right. in origin story. It's, it's very independent. It does get a lot more convoluted when you start playing Peace Walker on the PSP and then Metal Gear Solid 5. But... Three just stood out to me as just something special. And even playing it in 2015, that game was well and truly, you know, nearly 10 years old at that point. I could look at it and go, okay, this is old. I know this, playing it 10 years after launch or whatever it is, but I can appreciate how special this game is. And that's why I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is there as well, because it's a very similar story. I've, I've loved Final Fantasy from afar, right? Same thing with Metal Gear. Never played the series before, but always knew who Cloud and Sephiroth and knew the ending with, I won't talk about the ending, but <laughs> everyone knows kind of the ending of Final Fantasy VII one way or another. So it's a very similar story about 
game series that I knew I would love, but it felt like I was too far removed. I was happy I went back and played Metal Gear and I'm happy I've, I've played Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've finished the original. I've watched, I do want to go back and play Crisis Core, but I've watched all the cutscenes for that. I've watched the extended version of Advent Children. I'm doing the same thing I did with Metal Gear. I'm watching two and a half hour videos explaining on what, you know, certain scenes of the remake means and how this will connect. So th- this could all change, right? The, the part two, three and four, or whatever it is, a Final Fantasy VII remake could, I could hate it. But yeah. the, the intrigue that is there is just giving me that, that Metal Gear feeling again. Okay, so that makes, that that make, makes sense. Does that make a bit more sense? That makes a bit more sense as to why it's in your top five. I still can't believe it took over two Naughty Dog titles, but I guess that's the power of Final Fantasy. I just want to know, I just yeah. want to know what was your your big wow moment in Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater that was like, okay, this game has got me. The start. Just the literally start. the opening theme song. Like, what okay. PS2 game you can think of had a song that it's it started off like it was a 007 movie you know those new you know the you know 007 movies they come the out theme. with this big song theme song it was that and i'm like well, wow like, look at this this is the quality of this song and the story you can already get the vibe of what they're trying to tell is just awesome and what's Very really intense. great about that game you start off with the virtuous mission which is like a you know you play that before playing metal gear solid 3 as much as it's part of the game that kind of sets things in motion and that 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 portion only takes about an hour or so it's kind of like the, the initial steps the epilogue is it an epilogue epilogue yeah. at the end yeah no at the start you can have an epilogue at the start yeah yeah that's stupid of course you can so <laughs> you play that epilogue and that is enough for you to go whoa this is something special metal gear is very convoluted and there's a lot wrong with it there's a lot of things they retcon there's a lot of things that just make no sense but yeah, three is just special. It's a special game. It's a special game for you. And for me. It's, I'd say it's worthy of your number one spot. I've never played it, but I've heard really good things. I have a friend who's probably another big Metal Gear fan as well. Yeah. Didn't necessarily like number five, but he was a big fan, you know, going through I think Twin Snakes is his favorite, the one on GameCube. Oh uh, yeah, the remake of the first one. I think Metal Gear Solid Five. Gameplay wise, clearly it's the best because it's the latest one. But if all those games played like five, five is fantastic. Like in terms of gameplay, I pl- played that game forever. That game clearly went through a troubled development. We know that now. Kojima is not even with Konami anymore. So clearly yeah. something went wrong. But gameplay wise, that game is one of the best stealth third person action games on the market. It's just such a shame that the story didn't turn out to be what they had planned. They had so much that was cut from the game, so much that was important put into audio dialogue, which was clearly made to be a cut scene. It's just that game went through a really troubled development, but gameplay-wise, it is up there in the upper upper echelon of some of the best gameplay games I've, I've ever played. In the upper echelon of games you've ever played? Well, I guess that's it. That's, that's top tier. You can't get any better than top tier. It's yeah, tier zero. It, it could all change. Like... I just want to say this as much as I don't want to be that guy. It's like, yeah, he's never played a Final Fantasy game before. And now seven's his favorite of all time. It, it, it can all change. I think I could go back and play last of us and go, okay, maybe that top five is forever changing. I will say that the only games that have always been there when I look back at my list that I've created years ago is Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid 3, Uncharted 3, and The Last of Us. They're the three 
that have always been there. God of War's clearly a, a recent game, came out in 2018. And Final Fantasy VII's very new. But, yeah, those three in particular have always been there. But the other ones, you know, something comes in, comes out. But Final Fantasy VII just took me by surprise. I never played a Final Fantasy VII, uh, never played Final Fantasy in my <laughs> life. And I, I just loved... The story was, it's very Metal Gear. It is, really. It, it, you know, there's not clones of characters, but there's, you know, this person's this person, but it's not really this person. He's got his memories of this person and what the hell's going on and who's Genesis and what's going on here. But it's the same thing with Metal Gear. You know, you got Big Boss, you got Boss, you got Naked Snake, you got Solid Snake, you got Liquidus, Liquid. <laughs> so it's got Venom a lot snake, of... Old Snake. <laughs> it's got a lot of similarities. Snake. <laughs> there's a lot of snakes. So yeah, it's got a lot of similarities. And I'd be, would you call it your game of the year so far? It's it's unanimous decision for you. I mean, you being yeah. the only one-to-one vote of you, it's unanimous that this is your game of the year so far. Yeah. Yeah. The only things I can, we've got last, last of us coming out. So that can all change. Cyberpunk's coming out. But for the time being, Final Fantasy VII Remake's my game of the year. Yeah. All right. That is your top five. And Wow. I'm going to say I'm surprised at number, I guess number one, obviously, because I'm a prophet yeah. as well. Uh, you know, I said Uncharted, I said Last of Us game. I didn't expect Sly and I did not expect Final Fantasy VII. So, well, Sly was an honorable mention, wasn't in my top five. Yeah, sorry, that's right. Um, what was your number three? Uh, um, so it was uh, Uncharted yeah. 3 was number five, then Last of Us, then God of War. PS4, God of War, yeah. Then Final Fantasy VII. That's right. Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of new gen, despite the PS, I guess two PS threes, and three PS fours. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. Well, so so you got Last of Us and, and Uncharted three PS three, God of War PS four, Final Fantasy seven PS four, and then PS two with with Snake Eater. But yeah, very it, PlayStation esque. What a surprise. Yeah, that's just that's just me, right? Yeah. It's hard to really dial it down to five games. If I, I could sit here and talk for hours and I love Castlevania and Symphony of the Night on, on PS1 and the Crash Bandicoot games, like I could go back. But just in terms of moments in my life, you know, Last of Us was the game I showed people that don't play games. Final Fantasy VII was the game that took me by surprise. Metal Gear 3 was the series that took me by surprise. They're all important to me. So that, that's my reasoning. That's it. And I guess now let's move on to busy playing something. Did you like it? So insert audio cue here. <laughs> insert audio. Yeah. So busy playing something is the namesake of our show. It's where uh, Josh or I bring either a game, a TV show, movie, podcast to the virtual table, and the other host has two weeks to consume the media and discuss it on the following week's episode. So Josh, last week I gave you Scrubs. Have you done anything with that? I have watched the first episode, and I've got two more episodes to watch before next week's episode. So. I am understand? well and truly on the way. Have, has it given you any inkling that you would watch anything further past three episodes? Oh, look, I think it's hard. It is hard with the first first episode of any TV show is not ever great. You know, look at Seinfeld. The pilot episode is so different. Elaine's <laughs> not even in the episode. Like, yeah. And Kramer's a completely different character. So it's, it's difficult. I'm going to watch two and three, but I may even jump ahead maybe a season or two and just watch a couple of random episodes as well just so I can see how the show evolves. But so far, so good. Like, it's quite funny. And it's, it's a different type of comedy than I think I've, I've ever watched. Yeah. I'm very picky with, my, like, literally, 
I don't watch much. I watch Curb, Your Enthusiasm. I watch Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Your, your fiancé watches Friends. The fiancé is biggest Friends fan on the place, you know, face of the earth. Like, she loves Friends. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just really picky. I mean, because I play, like, I spend a lot of my time playing games, as is pretty clearly evident at this point. It's either I'm playing a game or I'm watching YouTube or, you know, I've got my people that I follow on YouTube and watch updates and what their thoughts are on news and games and blah, 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 blah. So I don't really sit and watch TV shows. Like, Naomi, she, she'll watch... I, I watch Seinfeld every year. Okay, that's fine. But she'll watch Friends and a couple other shows just on repeat. Just have them on in the background or we'll watch them. It feels like forever since I've met her, she's watching the same shows. Like, I've seen Gilmore Girls in the background about 50 times since we've been together. Hey, so. don't know that show. It's actually not too bad. I wouldn't know. So, yeah, I've never seen it. So, so I, can, I guess we can rule out your media that you're bringing to the virtual table this week is definitely not a TV show. It's Gilmore Girls, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No. Uh, so, what I thought I'd do for you, being uh, such a... All right, let, let me dial it back. Let me take it back. We all know I'm a bit of a PlayStation fan. Oh, it's really it's obvious when you look into my background, you can see a PS1, the PlayStation symbols, Ratchet and Clank and a Crash Bandicoot statue. However, a podcast that I used to listen to, and yeah, I, I knew it, I knew it, going, <laughs> is I, I used to be a big fan of Podcast Beyond, right? And that's, a, that's IGN's PlayStation podcast. Specifically, I was a big fan of the Greg Miller, Colin Moriarty kind of team up when they were hosting the show. So in 2015... Colin, Greg, Tim and Nick left IGN and created Kind of Funny and they had the Kind of Funny podcast and Kind of Funny games popped up. So from there, I, I, I followed those guys onto that channel and I still do watch all their videos. Well, not all their videos, but most of their videos today. But then there was a moment when Colin Moriarty left Kind of Funny and there was that dispute or whatever happened, happened uh, in, in the past and him and Greg, uh, Greg Miller parted ways. I remember that day. I was still a game traders at the time. I think someone messaged me in the team like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what's just happened because they knew how important that, that stuff was for me. And I think why they are important, they're the guys that really got me into the inertia in the, in the, in the nitty gritty of PlayStation. They're the guys that knew who Shuhei was and Kazurai was and uh, you know, who all the CEOs and the, you know, who's running this department and what developers doing this and who's the head here and blah, 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 blah. So they were guys I pretty I followed pretty religiously. And Being a mentor then they, in a way. Yeah, pretty much, right? And and then they parted ways. So they all they both currently have a PlayStation podcast. Peace I Love You is kind of funny games is is one. And then Colin Moriarty's got uh, Colin's Last Stand and Sacred Symbols is his PlayStation podcast that he uh, has with Chris Raygun. Now when Colin left, I was kind of like I've always, I always thought Colin was like my favorite in a way. Like Greg's the big character and a great host and clearly has passion and loves PlayStation and has a really deep knowledge base. But Colin was like, he was the guy where it's, and that's the guy I try to kind of be and become where it's, you know, I know this game came out and blah, 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 blah. And PS2 sold 155 million units and PS3 sold 84 million, like the number guy. And I always appreciated that, how he could just, you know, someone would write in or, or say something and he could just rattle it off. And he wouldn't just rattle it off. Like he, he wasn't afraid to stand up for what he thought and he backed everything he had to say. So 
the podcast or the, the thing I want you to press play on is Colin Moriarty's Sacred Symbols, which I can give you the link. It's a free podcast. He does it weekly. Um, and they go for about an hour, hour and a half, two hours. <laughs> so they're quite long. And yep. I'm, you know, I'm interested to think, because it's not a TV show, it's not like you need to learn all the characters. You can just listen to one or two episodes and, and you'll get the gist of what's going, you know, what's happening. They're, they're talking about news. But I just the reason I, I want you to listen to it in particular is because I... You know, even when we talk, I take on the, not the role, because I am like this in real life, but the... the persona? Give a bit not of persona, a... but I, I'm like the numbers guy. You, you know are. what I mean? Like, even in terms of when we were at Game Traders, I was always that guy that people would go, how much is the Wii sold? 101 million units. You know, like, I, I could do that. Uh, you know, how much is the N64? 32 million units. You know, I was that guy. So, it's just... Uh, he's always been something that I've inspired to, or he's been a person that's really, you know, got me into wanting to podcast. We've spoken about wanting to podcast for years now. So yeah, I want you to listen to, to sacred symbols, a PlayStation podcast. Interesting. And I kind of, as soon as you said, you mentioned PlayStation and I just knew, I don't know why, but it just, in my head, I'm okay. I'm saying, okay, he's not going to ask you to play a game. And then I thought beyond, but I'm like, I didn't know. I'm like, no, beyond is old news. And then I remember kind of funny. I'm like, no, but they parted ways. And then he said, then he said it. And I thought yeah. you were going to say Greg Miller because I didn't know which one he actually liked from that point. But yeah. They're, they're both, I listened to both. And you prefer I mean, the Greg, statistics and the numbers and the off the cuff facts and yeah. his, his ability to just do that. Yeah. He, he doesn't follow the, you know, the, We'll have a news story and wouldn't just talk about the news story. He'll have some context and some background and everything, every prediction he makes, everything he says is based on his, his knowledge. And I kind of like that he's on the outskirts, right? He's not, you know, Sony sometimes don't even send him. Colin's always been that guy where they would be like, oh, he's a PlayStation fanboy. He's this, he's that. But he was always the guy that was probably bagging on PlayStation the most. Like that, that those guys became popular during PS3 and at the launch of PS3 and, I don't know if you remember, but being a PlayStation guy in 2006 was rough. You know, yeah. you want to talk about what, no one was buying it. It was too expensive. There's, you know, the games weren't the greatest, uh, you know, resistance was great, but you know, it wasn't really going right for Sony. And what got me into that podcast, well, it was beyond at the time uh, was when PSN got hacked. It's funny how it's kind of all wrapped around that. Cause I was speaking about that this morning, but there is an episode of PlayStation uh, podcast beyond where the servers came back online and Colin and Greg were living together at the time. Cause they shared a house. And this is how crazy look, I know all this stuff, but, and <laughs> they did a drunken podcast they actually went into IGN. They went into the studio and recorded an episode of the show and they're drunk. And it's just the funniest thing. Cause it was like this big celebration. They were calling uh, fans that were, you know, people that would typically write in, they were calling them live and just, celebrating this thing like the PlayStation stores back up. And it was such a, like no one, no one outside of the gaming world really cared that Sony got hacked, but it, for them, it was like the biggest thing because yeah. they weren't getting trophies. They couldn't sync all their trophies. Like, you know, it was just, it was huge. And I think, if, I don't know if you remember the original Mortal Kombat came out that week and Portal 2 came out. So there was all these games. Mag came out that week and, you know, Sony Worldwide Studios are launching a massive multiplayer game and play PSN's down. Well, yeah, goodbye Zipper Interactive. So it's just, yeah, those guys have been 
the two constants that I've listened to in the in the gaming kind of yeah sphere. Sounds like for at least you know ten or like over ten years. Sounds like that's almost, what's crazy. Yeah, it's been almost, nearly ten years. Well, it's yeah, it's that important to you. I'll definitely give it a listen. Um, yeah. Is there any particular episode you want me to watch or listen to? Just, just watch the latest one it, because it's a just a, it's a news thing. Like it's not like you know. I will send you because I've got it downloaded the episode where. I'll get you to listen to two. I'll get you to listen to Podcast Beyond, the episode where PSN goes back up. I'll find that. I've got that okay. somewhere. Of course you do. Of course. And I'll and then just watch the latest episode because they really had a good banter because Greg was such a big character and Colin was a bit more subdued. They kind of leveled each other out and, and they, they were the best when they were together. But being separate, it's fine. I've got, I've got two podcasts to listen to now and two separate shows to watch and listen to. So it, it's fine. But yeah, I'll send both of those two. Yeah, excellent. I guess that pretty much uh, wraps it up here. Busy playing something. And I'd like to thank you, Josh, as my co-host and my, my special guest for tonight. And I'd like no you to thank me for hosting. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. And to everyone else, we are Busy Playing Something. You can find us at Spreaker, Google Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, and our socials at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Busy Playing Something. And we'll speak to you next time, I guess. Until next week. Peter, you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Oh, it's all perfectly legal. Oh my God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension?